0: Well, you can call us the 2020 F1 calendar, because we're going back to Bahrain for a second helping. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going wheel-to-wheel as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc, and three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX, the World Championship Seven-time champion of the world. So we are now rejoined by Angus. Uh, Liv is not here with us in this episode. Myself and uh, uh, and Tristan remain as always. But um, Angus, we we didn't actually hear your thoughts uh, last week about the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, what do you think? In a sort of nutshell of, of what happened? What a start to the season! It was it was amazing. It was. I was trying to rack
1: my brains and think of. The last time there was an opening race which was that good and I genuinely can't think of an opening, opening race of the season which has been that good in the yeah, great, but the midfield battle was, as always, phenomenal. We know Formula One has got that potential. But we had the battle at the front that we so wanted, Hamilton versus Verstappen. I don't even, all these people who, who, who if they're saying, oh, it's such a disappointment that it ended up the way it did, yes, admittedly, mm-hmm max did bottle it a little bit he had the faster car he had the faster tires at the end um really weird bit at the end where he when he let lewis back on the straight and then he's almost got straight back into the dirty air and then i mean because he's he's lost the car Mm. um and so from then he did didn't didn't get the momentum back because he still had what three four laps to go to get to get the move done Mm. um which was strange but no i still i mean it was still a great battle like it's still just, and I was on the edge of my seat for most of the race. And I thought it was it was fantastic that we we finally we've been crying out for years for a genuine wheel to wheel battle at the start of the season between well for, at least for the last couple of seasons we've been wanting one between Mercedes and Red Bull and Hamilton Viva Verstappen. It's got serious vibes of. I was looking back through my F one history of the. I mean, I wasn't old enough to uh, quite catch this period of F one history, but there was a period in the mid two thousands where. He had Schumacher versus Alonso and this was Schumacher right at the end of his career, just won his seventh title. And you had Alonso who hadn't won a title yet and those two were battling out for the World Championship and this has got serious vibes of that. You've got Hamilton, of course, the veteran versus Verstappen. Who, to be fair, is in his seventh year in the sport but he is the relative, like, sort of in- inexperienced one and the one who hasn't got that title. It's got serious vibes of that and I think if that's the season ahead that we have, I think it honestly could be a classic and that might just have cursed it but <laughs> let's, let's, hope, let's hope not. It, it's, set, it's set up to be a barnstormer, well, if I'm honest.
2: Y- you say that but... Uh, I, when when we're casting our minds back, so I had this thought after the last podcast because I, I don't want to cover too much of what we spoke about last time, so there's not too much overlap. So I'm in tra- I'm interested by that last thought you had there, along with the whole Max Bottled It thing. I think we should explore that in a minute without also contradicting ourselves from last week too much. But um do you remember in 2018, we had that cracking sort of optimistic opener in Australia? Oh, Australia the opener. Oh. Wow, long time ago now, and uh, Sebastian Vettel won, and everyone went. This is it. This is the Ferrari versus Mercedes extravaganza year. This is the time when Vettel takes on Hamilton, and well, with with glorious hindsight, we now know that Hamilton won, and Vettel came in in second. In fact, um, it was a a year where Vettel bottled it over and over again, um, and it was a real disappointment. So is there a little bit of concern in your mind that we're going to have exactly the same thing this year?
1: Uh, oh, I, hope, I really hope not, but it, it's actually, it's, you have, You make a good point there. It's interesting the, the parallels with that year, in that that year Ferrari had the genuinely faster car for mm-hmm. the vast, vast majority of the year, and Vettel should have won that championship. Red Bull at the moment have got the fastest car, um, I mean, lest you forget, Max put it on pole by four-tenths. Yeah. Like, that's, a, that's a big... And caught that's... up
2: with him twice from
1: eight seconds yes. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if Hamilton had been on pole by four-tenths, we'd be like, oh my God, Mercedes are dominating. <laughs> yeah. But Max has put it on pole by four-tenths. Admittedly, it's the start of the season and that gap you, you'd think would close because Mercedes as a competitor are just so relentless. But yeah, they actually have the fastest car and... I, you always hope that they don't do what Ferrari did and just and bottle the championship um, because they've 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 got themselves in a great position right now. They've got a, a rapid piece of equipment underneath the drivers, um, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that how that develops. Of course, to be fair, we might be sitting here in six months' time and Mercedes have completely overhauled the deficit. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> it's not beyond it's, them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the kind of it's the kind of relentless relentlessness that they're they used to. We might turn up at Imola and. Two weeks' time and the gaps are a lot closer because they've had the three week break to work on it. But no, it's um I I hope it doesn't as much as I'd love to see Hamilton like officially cement himself as the greatest, because in all likelihood this year he probably will pass that hundred pole mark, pass the hundred win mark, and get the eighth title. That still is probably the the fair bet. But I would also this just to have Verstappen just upset the apple cart, um you know have a have a different world chat have a new world it would be a, a new world champion for the first time since Rosberg which was oh, like don't eight, don't say so like F- yeah it feels five like years. ages ago now it feels like ages ago now there's any mm. yeah so i yeah i think it would be fantastic if that's happened but yeah i'd like him to do it without you know
2: with, with a bit of a fight it's a bit mm. a bit like a walk in the park if he just gets to the end it's like oh look this is my world championship and everyone else is miles behind him in the standings. I just want there to be a fight. Does
1: there, mm.
2: It will be difficult for Red Bull to win, especially as currently they are only fighting with Max, and this is perhaps why Perez is going to be so important this year. In fact, to some extent, Perez is going to be the most analysed driver on the grid because he knows that for there to be a championship fight, he has to be behind Max and challenging Bottas. Fourth so, is minimum, really. Yeah, fourth yeah. is the minimum now, and this this is make or break time for Red Bull. This is the ch- closest they're going to be to the Mercedes without knowing the what what sort of upsets next year's cars are going to bring with the entire overhaul of the rules. So yeah. Yeah. Perez is in the in, unenviable position to being the probably what do you think the most important driver except I think- for Lewis Hamilton.
0: I think he's definitely the deciding factor um, because now it's always been that issue of Max is there, that's awesome, but then there's two Mercedes for him to get past. In many ways, this season does, it reminds me a bit of 2019 insofar that, okay, Ferrari were the team then. Um, but um, Red Bull were fastest in testing, uh, and now they've almost taken on that sort of um, optimism or potential, shall we say, and they've taken it to Mercedes in the first race. But compare that to, compare the two drivers from Red Bull to the two drivers from Ferrari in 2019, both of them seem to be firing on all all cylinders. So you have not only, as testing would have it, the, the best car, but two of the best drivers on form, it makes you think that this season could be even better or even closer than 2019 could have been because we all know that Ferrari should have probably won that championship, be that um, the drivers or constructors, because they had the best kit. But when you have two well-established drivers, be it one in the sort of Red Bull team and one in the sport more generally, it gives you hope that that battle that we never had um we could have moving forwards, and even better when you consider that there's n- nothing to insinuate thus far, and I must state thus far that um uh, Red Bull or Mercedes um have cars which uh violate the rules as um Ferrari famously did uh two years ago but um I, it it does give me, give me that vibe because of because of the two drivers i think in uh in the red bull cars
2: and let's not forget the Red Bull strategy is going to have to be in point as well. Mm. Mercedes is infamous in their ability to analyse what's going on, on the track, and Bahrain it just did not do. They, yeah. they did. I think, but well, personally, I think they are the ones. If if one is to blame anyone, <laughs> um, I know we have blown no blame culture, but I I I would say that the strategy let down Max a little bit, and I think when I was fresh out of it last week, I said that, it, you know, Max wanted to be left alone, and they didn't pit him for new tires. And I, I get, I, I still hold on to the belief that Red Bull just weren't ready, and they were sitting on their hands a little bit, expecting Mercedes not to come back at them. And I, I don't think it's, it's, it's like that. I think that, I think they, I think they were, wi- they're willing to bet that Max would stay out longer and would be faster on the older tires, and he just wasn't. And so I think they've really got to step up their game because part of the reason why Vettel didn't win in 2018 was the poor Ferrari strategy in fact for Ferrari I, I I enjoy the <laughs> fact that this year Ferrari is still carrying on their classic uh strategy technique of of consulting the magic eight ball before they uh pit one <laughs> of their drivers is shaking shaking it should we come in oh all signs point to a yes you know that sort of thing so i think red bull this year are really gonna have to step up their 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 game and maybe invest in a ouija board if they get really stuck
0: so with us having a second episode dedicated to the season opener of 2021 we would be remiss not to go and talk about the uh, proverbial elephant on the track shall we say track limits at turn four there was a lot of ambiguity and lack of clarity that both Toto Wolff and Christian Horner touched upon there where essentially races were allowed to exceed track limits when they were not involved in a battle but when they were involved in a battle um, track limits were very very tight and anyone who went over uh, the this sort of line at turn four would be punished severely as Max Verstappen found out. Uh, what do we think about this sort of Mm, Flip flopping, shall we say, from the FIA regarding turn four and the the limits or lack of them. It's an interesting topic. It's kind of, I, feel, I feel, To be honest, it feels like years now that
1: traffic track limits has been a thing or has been talked about. It feels like it's it's always brought up at some point over the course of a Formula One season. Um, so yeah, the controversy in this one was I think that they'd been like they'd been told not to use to, to basically take the Mick with track limits on the outside turn four. Because at the end of the day, they were taking a line. If they were going over the track limits, they were taking a line, which obviously was going to be faster. You'd have less of, a, less of an acute angle to take both into and coming out the corner. And therefore, your exit speed and also your entry speed could be faster. So, so, that, so that ended up being quite a key point in that Hamilton, late in the race when his tyres were were quite a bit older than Verstappen's and Verstappen was closing on fresher tyres that Hamilton needed every like bit of advantage that he could get to try and keep the gap or to try and keep the lead and and it, in the end it basically got to the point I think where like Red Bull said to Verstappen well Hamilton's doing this which isn't completely legal so you do it as well um, and then of course you had at the end of the race Verstappen's done almost a brilliant move around the outside but he's gone over the track limit now I remember thinking at the time uh, I did, like the my first thought wasn't like oh track limits because I was focused because I was like as a fan viewing it and I was like oh it's a fantastic move but then yeah he's given he's given it straight back afterwards given the position straight back and I don't know I mean you could probably probably tell from me talking about it it's just a bit confusing really it's just they just yeah. need I, I think just there just needs, just needs to be clarity I get that Verstappen gave the position back because if if he hadn't then there would have been a whole like, hullabaloo about like oh he's Taking the position off the track and he's overtaken like that's an unfair advantage, um, but I think the fact that there was confused, I think the fact Hamilton came on the radio and wasn't sure himself about the about the rules and was asking about them, um, I don't think you know there's there's great confidence there. I think I think it just needs to be more clarity because it shouldn't be the main talking point of a brilliant race. Shouldn't be the track limits. It should be the actual racing itself. So. I I don't know. I just perhaps just needs to be more clarification. To be honest,
2: well, currently track limits in Formula One is, is sort of fifty shades of grey, and I suppose it's it, it, in terms of other sports. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the offside rule, and how mm. the offside rule is a very clear cut line in which you 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 know which which their referees in, in football will look at. And in my mind, track limits should be the same thing. If you cross that line, that is it. You're over the track limits and there should be a a resulting penalty. Alternatively, you, you just say that you can go across turn limits and you can take as wider corner as you'd like. At, at some point, the extra distance you travel equalises the extra speed you can turn in. So there will be a natural line of... Uh, diminishing returns mm-hmm. the the ambiguity is is in this section in in the the sporting regulations it says should a car leave the track the driver may rejoin however this may only this may only be done when it is safe to do so and without gaining any lasting advantage so it's in that unspecific terminology that this problem has come about right because when Hamilton was in the lead, and he was, he went over the track limits twenty nine times. I think someone counted yeah, that. Yeah. Um, thank you for counting it. I didn't have the time <laughs> to do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you gain a tenth of a second each time you go twenty, each time you go off the track, well then, by the time you've added those up, you've added on two point nine seconds. You've gained an advantage of two point nine seconds, which to me says a lasting advantage. So it it seems bizarre that Hamilton was allowed to go over the track limits 29 times. And I'm not saying he did gain 2.9 seconds, but when Verstappen's only five or six seconds behind, even a fifth of a second is a tenth of his time between them. So it is certainly a lasting advantage. And so I think it should just be a clear-cut thing. If you go over the white line, all four wheels go over the white line, you get a mark against your name. If you do it three times, then you've gone off the track three times, you get a black and white flag, and then one mm-hmm. more after that, and you get a penalty. Simple as. That's it. Yeah. It should be as simple <laughs> as simple as the offside rule. We should print it on the back of some <laughs> sort of commemorative 50p, 50 pence piece in the UK, as we did with the rule. But... <laughs> Maybe, am I just oversimplifying it, though?
0: I uh, no, I, I, I do think you're right. Like it's, it's got to the point where I think Toto Wolf summed it up perfectly where he said the rules of F1 should not be like a Shakespearean play where it can be interpreted in one direction or the other. And that's exactly where we are at the moment because um, I believe the teams and drivers were told by the FIA... We won't be monitoring you during the race, so you can technically exceed track limits and not be punished for it per se. So Mercedes took that as fine, okay, we'll run wide at turn four, we'll get a sort of better entrance and exit to that corner, and as you say, gain some uh, some possible time on our on our rivals but when you've got them taking advantage of that and then red bull being like we're going to play by the rules so to speak and not exceed those limits and then going well hang on we'll do it as well it does tend to leave a bit of a a bitter taste in my mouth at least like don't get me wrong it didn't spoil the sport it didn't spoil the race um but it did leave a bit of a hmm that's not quite cricket um sort of taste of my brain, if you will. Um, so, so yeah, um, there does need to be more clarity. I think uh, Michael Massey is going to uh, come forward with some more clarity on that. But um, it seems like the I have almost been caught short in many ways. They've not seen a somewhat obvious um, uh, ambiguity or or dispute that could have arisen or did ar- did arise uh, during this race, and um, it's not made them look too good. But uh, I agree, more clarity is definitely needed. But I'd hate to be the guy to uh, to make that uh, decision of uh, line stops here and starts there. But uh, I suppose that's what the uh, what the pros are paid for.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Tristan, don't even start on the offside rule in football. That's a whole nother <laughs> right now. Right now, with um the offsides being decided by like armpits and that. Are we going to get to the point where um, we're going to have um, like track limits decisions in Formula One decided by drivers' armpits or racing no, suits or, uh, or stuff like that. Yeah. It's, that it, it the might...
2: nice thing about a tyre is the tyre is the widest part of the of the car. So you just say as soon as as soon as 100% of the car goes over the white line it, but it, they do actually specify what the white line is. So the white line itself does count as the track, which is why so you could be a a micron touching the white um, and you will you will be in track limits. So we do have real defined aspects of the track and the car and that would solve a whole load of problems and it's it's not like we don't we don't do these other track limit things. for example the pit limiter mm. you know that as soon as you cross that white line, you have to be at 50 kilometers an hour or 60 kilometers an hour whatever the the, the, the limiter is and so we're very used in, 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 to in formula one looking at a white line and seeing if someone's crossed it or not at a at a given moment and I, I think one of the resolutions to the problem we had at the Bahrain grand prix is to maybe add like a clause in um if you don't want to stop drivers going over the white line which is if you exceed the white line four times you are not allowed to start moaning when other people use the white lines against you so for example Mm -hmm. Hamilton went over 29 times Verstappen has every right to use the white line over and overtake Hamilton because Hamilton was yeah. over the white lines anyway, so yeah. if you cross the white lines, the drivers the driver suddenly dictates to everyone that they they're willing to accept that the white lines no longer uh, dictate the barriers of the of the track. So, what the hell? Max can go around it, right? That that's fine, but that's mm. also a bit silly. So it just should be the white line is the track limit. What's the point of having a track limit if it doesn't limit?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you you know also. What what annoys me sometimes? I swear it's been the case on multiple occasions where you get to a track, and they give ex- they give exemptions for some corners, like some corners they, they just they're just like oh you know what they're pushing so hard on that one anyway that will just give them the benefit of doubt. There used to be one, yeah. so I've seen. Um, I don't think it's the case anymore, but if you go back, so this is this is incredibly niche, but <laughs> you, so so re- so so, the, so Red Bull Ring. When they when they used to have the race in like the 2000s, the early 2000s, cars used to like literally just take the absolute mick with turn one. So you know how turn one is a bit of runoff, the Red Bull Ring. It does. Oh. Yes. Yes, the yes. drivers. If you go back and watch like qualifying laps from that time, drivers literally used to just run wide because they just go in deliberately fast, run wide because it was tarmac, and then just continue with their lap. They're, I feel like they're, you get the odd corner now and then where there's like exceptions and where they just they halfway through the weekend they just they just they're just like oh fine just go whatever there they just they just need to be consistency to be honest just like you can't say with you can't say with some corners either you, either you look at the whole track and you say right go wild or you look at e- each corner you have track limits and you say oh you can't go off like you can't go over the white line. I think it just needs to be consistency, really. That's all we ask for.
2: And what, what yeah. even is a lasting advantage? Because in, in, <laughs> we, we're talking about a sport where the difference between first and third can be hundredths of a second any so if you gain a hundredth of a second in by by going out of the track limits in during a race then you've already exceeded the dis the time between maybe a third place and first place during qualifying which is mm. why in qualifying you can't exceed track <laughs> limits formula yeah. one acknowledged the fact that for that you get a lasting advantage but until the race like i get for the first court when a race starts and it's the first corner and everyone's pummeling their way through the, pa- the, the pack trying to get through i get that you might say well we'll ignore it for turn one and turn you know or the first lap but once, yeah. once everyone's gone into their their usual sort of single filed order with mercedes at the front and Hass at the back then it should then activate you know if you'd like the trek limits are now activating
0: like drs for example i mean technically in extremis a lasting advantage, let's say, okay, let's say Lewis Hamilton wins the Drivers' Championship and it comes down to a handful of points between 1st and 2nd, second, 2nd uh, second being Max Verstappen. Because Hamilton's won that race and run wide 29 times, technically he's got a lasting advantage from that race. So technically, in the most extreme circumstances, if those events were to happen, he should be stripped of his 8th uh, Championship, according yeah. to the rules.
2: According, in, in F1, a tenth of a second can lead to a world championship because of the domino effect across the entire season. It's hard to make back the seven points between first and second across a season sometimes, especially a season that's really close. Look at uh, Hunt versus Lauda. They were, they were always mm-hmm. crossing over and, and getting really close to each other uh, in, in terms of points. In terms of uh, <laughs> physical- physicalness, they detest each other the time. So, <laughs> It makes all the difference in a sport that's about speed and precision and it, it's annoying that we're talking about uh, something so stupid that should be so easy to fix because as i say speed and precision we've got mm. speed we haven't got precision
0: yeah i mean when those events naturally do unfold i'll be showing this to the fin saying oi told you as so I, I told you so i told you so yeah. lasting advantage <laughs> but yes uh the, aside from lewis hamilton exceeding track limits who were the other winners uh, in your your guys' mind, who do you think really sort of shone and stood out? Um, someone you perhaps expected or didn't expect? Or um, yeah, what do you think?
1: Yeah, well, briefly touch on Mazepin. Um, I will say, yeah, I will, we will reiterate whilst whilst we do dislike him and his conduct, it was it was good to see at least he was okay from his accident, um, which mm. was I reiterate Liv's point, yeah, from last week, I think that. Um, at least he like that's the main important thing that he was okay, and then we could laugh at how he spun off after three corners. Um, mm. Also, also just like to mention, uh, give a mention to how in qualifying, he um, there's like a, a um, what do you call it like a decorum that no one like overtakes um, each other on the outlaps on the final corner. So what he chose to do was just uh, just raz past everyone. <laughs> Um, at the final corner, and then for speed to f- spin at the first corner, <laughs> and then mess up. Hence, why Vettel knock on, I think, got knocked out. So that's. Um, I mean, it's it's uh, you couldn't write it honestly. On yeah, oh, uh, so on better news, Sonoda. Yes, um, first of all, I'd I'd like I'd like to uh, point out the 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 depressing feeling that came across me when I re- realised that Yuki Sonoda. Is born in May two thousand, so he's the first F one driver born in the twenty first century. That makes him three hundred and sixty seven days younger than myself, um, which is quite <laughs> just over just over just over a year younger than myself, which is which is great. I like um, precision. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but on a, on a, on a serious note, like honestly, fantastic performance. I I think what I I I raced from his we, over a weekend. I you you definitely saw some. Like, aspects of inexperience, for example, I feel like his Q... In in Q1, he smashed it, came, like, second or something, or third, like, put in a phenomenal time, to which point we were like, oh, my God, these Alpha Tauris are quick, to which they are, to be fair. And in Q2, I think... I don't know whether it was inexperience or whether that um, like he got it wrong with sort of using his tyres up too early or going too hell for leather but qualifying in 13th especially with um, Pierre Gasly up in 5th definitely was a was an underperformance by Sonoda, which was disappointing however has to be commended how he came back in the race um, I think he, he also he made quite a poor start he started 13th and he dropped down to like 16th or 17th um, but from that he came back he did some brilliant moves um, overtook Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen, not many people can say they've overtaken two world champions on their Formula 1 debut um, So that was something pretty cool. Um but yeah, like overall a very strong performance to come from low yeah. down in the field to to nab some points on his F1 debut. I've got to say it's uh that AlphaTauri is bloody quick. Um He's and, so and yeah, fast. it's actually so quick. It's probably I did my little pre-season predictions. I think I put them fifth in the constructors because their car is actually quite... Like it's it's on a level with like with the Ferrari. It's just behind the McLaren, you'd say. But at the moment, it's definitely got the it's definitely got the um the head start on Aston Martin and Alpine. It's it's a quick yeah. car, so I think this might not be the last time we're talking about um, a strong performance from Sonoda because that car definitely looks worthy of points quite consistently.
2: Mm-hmm. Have you got them in your F one fantasy team?
1: I have Gasly. I've, I've got Gasly as well, yeah.
0: So I, think, I, put, yeah.
2: I picked Sonoda, which, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm mean, i sort of smug because Gasly went out, but when Gasly was <laughs> in fourth, I was like, oh no, I picked <laughs> the wrong one. Um, so it, it, this is a great moment to plug our uh, F1 Fantasy. There is a link in the description and a code, just in case the link doesn't work, to our <laughs> F1 Fantasy, where you can follow us or you can join in actually you can join in please join or, uh, you can also find our social
0: media down there as well where you can see what we're up to what we're talking about as well uh veterans of f1 in review will remember how skeptical i was about the rumors and confirmation that alpha would be um deposing of um Daniel Kvyat and replacing him with a young Yuki Shinoda, uh, younger than myself in fact as well, Um, but it seems that I'm being forced on this season opener to eat some humble pie as well, two points uh, on your first race weekend, that's pretty decent, Um, granted we've still got a long season to go and the sort of inexperience and, and green nature of Yuki will no doubt come out, but it's a very good first impression and Looking at him and Gasly, we know how good Gasly is from last season. If it wasn't for that incident in the first few corners of lap one, I have no doubt he would have scored points as well. Um, so it looks like a very very feisty lineup, and I think they will push Ferrari all the way. But um, if I can seamlessly segue now into my other winners uh, from that uh, from that Grand Prix, I think Ferrari did very well, relatively speaking. Granted, they're not up there. Um, winning races and fighting for the championship as the and uh, no doubt fans of Ferrari more generally would love to uh, see them do. But, um, but yes, Charles Leclerc was amazing quite frankly qualified in fourth with that ferrari car uh, ahead of two uh mclarens which there's no doubt mclaren has a faster car and two aston martins who beat them last time uh, in the form of racing points in the constructors championship so um yes a very strong uh, sort of season opener from him converted that into a sixth place and then you know w- what a change it can make having carlos sanz as your uh, i suppose second driver uh, if if there are rankings in Ferrari, I'm sure there are. Um, eighth, qualified an eighth, finish in eighth, points finish, pretty decent. So um yeah. I think last year there was the the big threat of Alpha Tauri uh, leapfrogging Ferrari and it really really being a sort of season hell akin to the nineteen eighties that we saw. But um I'm I'm fairly confident that Ferrari will have a good season this year. Uh, certainly, a better one than last year, but um, maybe not as good as um as McLaren. But uh, do you yeah, do you think progress. do
2: you think Alpha Tauri will beat Ferrari?
0: No, no, I don't. I don't think that. No, they did predict that at the beginning. She did. She did. Um, but I mean, well, it's it's you know, it's only week one. Like Ferrari could show some serious. Uh, reliability issues or just pace issues more generally. So um you can't rule it out, but I think on, on the sort of current trend we're looking at, I think Ferrari will, will be okay. I think that'll yeah.
1: be fair. Yeah, I've gone with Ferrari fourth in my predictions and Alpha Tari fifth.
0: I think. I I think Alpha Tari have
1: got enough to beat Aston Martin and Alpine. But then again this is just based on like the start of the season. So like like we said, there's twenty three races, that's a long season. A lot could change in that time. I will, I will say i based on my prediction history because so um basically so i made uh tom will understand this and i made a football predictions uh list before this season started and i put um i put aston villa to go down this year so maybe my predictions are not so uh Ouch. not so Ouch. good we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see we'll see about that but um if my f1 predictions are as as off as those
0: ones it could be it could be interesting and for those racing fanatics out there they'll know that extreme e happened i believe on was it sunday right well yeah it qualifying was on
2: saturday so the 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 few rounds of qualifying on saturday and then the race on sunday the times were all off for me though they they were early about 10 o'clock i think i can't really remember i just i I set an alarm i was like ah kind of watch
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know Yeah, so this took place in the Saudi Arabian deserts, uh, Mm. Desert Ex... Tricks, I think it's called, and um, there was teams from Nico Rosberg, teams from Lewis Hamilton, Jensen Button, um, what do we think? Carlos Sainz, junior as well, senior, Oop, one of them, um, the Carlos Sainz family. Uh, what do we think, though, about Extreme E? Were we fans, not fans? Would we watch it again? Would we leave it neutral? What do we think? So can I, can
2: I uh, start, and uh, I could also read you Liv's comments, because she had some comments as well. So if you were a if you followed the Formula One in review twitter we we did tweet out some stuff about it personally. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic to watch them going up and down the sort of the ridges the The extreme thing about it is how difficult it is. You have to say it every time uh, how difficult it is to to race there, and they are going up these extreme ridges and then onto the extreme top of like a hill and then going down this extreme dip. Um, which is about like a hundred meter drop and stuff so and the the first person to do qualifying set a lap um, I'm really sorry I can't remember names because these are all unfamiliar names to me so uh, I've already got the Formula 1 names in my head I can't I can't Fit more stuff in because like Homer <laughs> Simpson if I put another name in another one falls out and then I won't remember who Valtteri Bottas is anyway <laughs> so first lap uh, they go on top of this like ridge and then they nearly fall off the side of it and you can hear the the, the car going trying to get back on It's it's so cool it really is really cool uh, to some extent, qualifying was more of a spectacle than than the race because you know they were like go, and then all three cars would like shoot off, and then one of them would use their like booster button, and they would go flying off to the lead, and then then the the dust would get kicked up and then completely cover the cars behind. Mm. So uh, you were like, oh yeah, look look, that one's in the lead, and uh, where are the other two cars? So um, at the, the race was like a a, a three. Uh, Three cars in a row And then they they only raced three cars at a time Uh, There was a Gigantic crash from uh, From uh, Claudia Hurtgen Who Mm. was flipping away in the sand We had drivers rear-ending other drivers because they couldn't get grip in the in the the hostile environment it was just really really cool the takeaways for me though were the racing was quite tricky because once you after turn one that was basically it another car flew off into the distance and, and ended up winning the qualifying was really impressive and i think actually the time trial style qualifying was maybe a bit better than the race but I can't wait for Senegal in the next round because that's a proper rally style track. So there'll be a lot less dust. Mm. Um, so it was, it was really quite epic in my head. Um, I'll mention live, um, and her comments as well, if that's okay. So she says that her stars for extreme E were Andretti and the United drivers, uh, Katie and Timmy, um, apparently she drove a lap with her tire basically off on the rim and still got them into p2 that session um, oh, wow. and they beca- they came in p2 overall that weekend uh making it kind of a crazy race it was a kind of a crazy race i was watching it with my little brother and uh, he was he was finding it model you know sort of moderately interesting as well which is more than i can say for his attitude to formula one so they must have got something <laughs> right to keep the attention span of a six-year-old with extreme e
0: yeah it was one of those because i didn't actually watch um the extreme e uh, race or qualifying i was uh, just uh, sent the highlights and thought right gotta concentrate gotta think of something important and in- insightful to say uh, can and you came up with and you uh, <laughs> recording and all I could think of though was this just reminds me of pod racing from Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> like the desert the sort of <laughs> noise <laughs> I just thought this is Star Wars Phantom Menace and Anakin Skywalker's leading you know well done we're going to see a three headed squid or whatever saying and he's won the race but um, <laughs> right. but no it was it was very interesting very chaotic but um, I could not get uh, get uh, pod pod racing out of my mind when I was seeing that. Maybe that was because it was in the desert. But um, I suppose next time when we're at an actual rally circuit, I will uh, I'll maybe have a different view. So, yeah, it's
1: a very interesting concept. This series, I sort of I take I do take a was admittedly I did not watch it. I do take a, a bit of an interest because I consider myself a, a a motorsport fan because i I mean less avidly less avidly than I I used to be because I remember back in the day when I was. A bit younger, I used to consume not just Formula One but also World Rally Championship. I used to be a big fan of British touring cars as well. I used to watch that whenever that was on, um, and MotoGP as well. I used to follow religiously. Um, so I, I, I'm always interested to hear about other motorsport news. Um, so yes, it's a very interesting concept. I love, I love the the whole environmentally friendly uh, aspect to it and how they're. They're raising awareness by going to um, <clears throat> different locations around the world at like different sort of beauty spots. Um, for ex- So their calendars, this uh, this first round was in Saudi Arabia in the desert. As Tristan said, they're next going to Senegal. And then the, the uh, other three rounds are in Greenland, uh, Brazil, and then Ushuaia, which is uh, right at the bottom of Argentina. It's like the port uh, which gives you access to the Falkland Islands. So there's some there's some stunning areas of the world they're going to. Um, and also the fact that they have... Um, they st- they've put all the cars um, and basically the whole paddock on just a cruise ship and just travel around the world uh, between locations which I think is really cool actually and and I hear it's uh saves well it would it would save um, carbon emissions instead of for example the Formula one paddock which flies everywhere um, so I rate the environmentally friendly aspect of it I think that's a, that's a fantastic initiative um, call me a traditionalist I am still I'm, I guess you could say I'm still a fan of this, the series with combustion engines. I still, in terms of stuff with Extreme E and Formula E, I do accept that in, I can't, wouldn't put a timeline on it, but at some point in our lifetimes, um, Formula 1 will probably die a death. Um, this podcast might become Formula E in review or Extreme E in review in the future. I was thinking um,
2: that maybe we'd just become Racing Review. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it it could literally be that you could we could either see a scenario where Formula One just dies a death, or it, it, like, it moves, on, that, moves on moves so, on to hybrid. Yeah, I think possibly. they said that
2: they're going to synthetic fuels, so I believe we will yes. still have. say eventually we we'll just have like two stroke uh single cylinder cars with a whopping great battery people be going yeah. oh i miss the v6 era <laughs> where it's going duh, 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 like a moped
1: yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair we literally we have you have people like when they had v12s that have been like, oh, I miss the good old days of like just pure like gas gas guzzlers. <laughs> and when we had V8s, like in the like a decade or so ago, there were people saying, oh, I miss the good old days, the really loud V12s. And now we're with the V6s, and we're just like, oh, I want those like little sort of slightly more, slightly more loud V8s back. Um, but yeah, to be fair, I can I, I can see if for many years into the future I continue to be a motorsport fan, which I fully expect to be. Like, I can see myself getting into series like Extreme E and Formula E and stuff like that. So I believe the foundations they're setting now for the future of motorsport is definitely a good thing. Um, Mm. And, yeah, many, many interesting aspects to it. I can't say that I necessarily fit a lot of time into my busy schedule to watch it religiously but i definitely wouldn't mind catching it every now and then to sort of see what's going on um because like you say it is it is rallying and i used to love rallying and have all the rallying racing games so that aspect of it i could definitely um be attracted to but yeah i think i think it's fascinating i'm really interested to see how how it will develop going forward
2: yeah definitely good opportunities to to explore more racing out there even if formula one's not your cup of tea there is Mm. definitely more racing to explore and this podcast will do its best to bring up speed a little bit with um what's coming up on the other in the other championships for example i've been told to remind you Thank you, Liv. That um, Formula E has two races this weekend in Rome, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday's race is on BBC Two from two forty-five. So, if you're thinking I don't want to pay for Formula One, I want to watch something else, uh, you can watch that for free in the United Kingdom for two forty-five on BBC Two. So, yeah, fantastic nice. double header in uh, in the Formula E Championship. So we can uh, the watch. racing
0: don't stop, friends. The racing, the racing doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. So thank you very much for once again listening to the end of another episode of F1 in Review. We'll be back next week as we preview the Imola Grand Prix, the second round of the 2021 season. But for those who were thinking, hey, I want to go and watch some racing, I can't wait until the 16th of April, as Tristan has just said, Formula E, there's going to be a race weekend there in Rome on Saturday and Sunday, and it's live on BBC2 uh, in the afternoon between, uh, starting at 2.45 I believe, so um, yes, yes. get your racing fix there if you want to, and um, we'll see you back here next week, thank you very much for listening